WNBA playoffs, WNBA nation. That's all we have to say. Goodness, goodness. I, I, I don't even know what to say other than, um, if, if my voice sounds really terrible during this episode, it's probably from the copious amounts of crow that I will be eating throughout tonight. Uh, but welcome back to another episode of the show. My name is Kyle Haywood and I'm joined tonight by my good friend, Logan Jones. Logan, hey, uh, have you recovered from, uh, from the games we just watched? Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah. Um, what a, what a, I mean, a second straight day of winner go home matchups. Um, just because that's how the WNBA playoffs are structured. And <laughs> man, some good teams went home. Um, some good good teams went home in the first round. We yeah. we've had almost exclusively good games uh, in terms of like tight, like last couple seconds of the fourth quarter matters type games. So, um, geez, I chose the wrong time to go get groceries earlier today. Um, <laughs> so I was. What were I you was, thinking? I was thinking I needed food and that I needed to eat. And so I was speeding home and Kyle was like, Hey, you can come up here and watch the rest of the game with me anytime. And I was keeping an eye on the score and it stayed close and it stayed close. By the time I got home, there was like four minutes left in Seattle versus Phoenix. And I had, I had missed like most of the third quarter and, and some of the fourth quarter. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I ran up there and it was literally tied at 70. And I was like, you know, Anyone who's watched these two teams play for like the last decade knew that it was going to come down to this exact scenario anyway. Like this is <laughs> like that's there was no way it it's wasn't so, going so to true. end that way. I, I love that you pulled that out. You're like anybody who's ever watched these teams play for the last like it. it you can't expect anything different from what we got today. Like this is exactly what you. Uh, in fact, I wasn't watching for just a second. I had some. Uh, I had something I had to take care of, and all of a sudden. Uh, I pop pop the show back on and I I messaged our group. I was like, "Hey, just turned it back on." And uh, Steve, uh, one of our other hosts, goes, "It's going exactly how you expect it to go," <laughs> which means it's like a one point game late, like into the second half. So, like, oh, did uh, did Phoenix take a late lead, but then Sue Bird hit a big three? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what happens. <laughs> Figures. Um. So Logan, I'm really excited tonight to uh to get right into uh right into things i want to start with the first game that happened today let's start with seattle and phoenix because i think there's a lot there's so many um bonus storylines that go on with uh with when these two teams play there was a lot of extra um there just was a lot of like just extra like sauce with this one because of history, because of player personalities interacting. Um, and, uh, just because of the tear that Phoenix has been on and like that Seattle kind of came into the playoffs, not having the greatest second half mm-hmm. of the season yeah. or back end of the season, you could say. Um, but first of all, I just want to turn it over to you. What was your, just, what was your thought process as, we, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with like after the game. What was your thought process when Diana Taurasi and Subert 
go to visit with Holly Rowe in a post game <laughs> interview together. Like, like it doesn't happen hardly ever in sports where two players from opposite teams get like co-interviewed seconds after one beats the other in a, a winner take all playoff matchup like that. <laughs> like that, that's such an odd thing. And I don't think we appreciate how unique that scenario is because it's something that we've seen with, with these two players in the past. So I'm just curious, what was your thought process as you saw them uh, go to visit with Holly at uh post game? Yeah, I loved it. I, it is rare, as you mentioned, to have two active players of this caliber, all t- just great, great all time players who are, are kind of already in that um, kind of Zen older mindset that you usually only see from retired stars where with age, they kind of gain an increased respect for their longtime rival. They already have that. And I think it's because for so many years, each other's team has, has gutted their own in so many circumstances that this is just kind of what life has been like for these two players for the last two decades. So it's not like uh Sue birds never been on the receiving end of a tough loss before. And, um, you know, D was respectful in, in all of her comments, but also absolutely, uh, absolutely an assassin in the overtime trying to <laughs> try to assure her team a win. It was just, there's a lot of respect there and a lot of mutual, I think, admiration between those two players. Um, and they know where they stand among the greats of this game and how much they've done for the game. So it was cool to see kind of the, they, they did the same thing in the Olympics. Um, it was kind of like, Hey, you guys, have, you guys have been here and done that before. And you know, this is probably your last time. And that's where you got D saying like, I don't know, I'll probably be in Paris. Like <laughs> I'll see you yeah. in four years. See you in a couple of years. Um, Cause she's, I mean, both of these players are kind of a, I'm going to play till I suck type of mentality, which I love, but. And they um, still don't. <laughs> yeah, they still they, are very were, good at basketball. My, my other thought was there were so many great storylines outside of those two players in this game, uh, just in this game. And an obvious one being that the storm looked like they were going to repeat around the time that they were beating the Connecticut sun for the commissioner's cup money. Um, but as soon as they secured the bag, injuries started mounting. They started looking a little lethargic down the stretch. They just couldn't get things going. Honestly, they looked more like the team we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year with all the pieces they lost, lost this off season where defensively some things started to break down. Um, you also had Griner continue maybe the most underappreciated. I won't say underappreciated because I think that's lame and too many people use that, but maybe the best season of her career. Um, yes. And, and to have a season like this late in her career, to have a game where she posted a stat line, only the great Tamika catchings has equaled in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, that, that is rare air. Um, so we're going to talk, I, I'm going to leave you to talk more about Brittany Griner's game, but. She was incredible. Um, Phoenix missing a bunch of free throws late and keeping the door open for Seattle. Katie Lou Samuelson making some big plays um, a year after she was traded for the number one, number one overall pick, which a lot of people hated at the time. Um, Jewel Lloyd struggling, um, bulk shooting, still trying to get it done down the stretch, but just not able to get it done from three tonight. Um, those are those are really like the big flavors that are in this this recipe at the end of the game there's also uh, one particular defensive play that even though seattle ended up losing really stands out to me Uh, and that's just at the end of regulation it looked like maybe we weren't going to get overtime and then mercedes russell with authority (laughs) said no we will be giving you overtime don't you worry don't Um, worry i've got that so those 
I mean, so many impressions. I mean, there there wasn't one narrative that carried this game through all of the different, you know, potential dramas that it could have presented. This was multifaceted. Lots of different players' career arcs were were kind of affected here. Obviously, Super is, you know, enshrined already. You know, D has nothing to prove. But I think Griner had something to prove. Um, and I yeah. think this Phoenix Mercury team um, from the fifth seed had something to prove. And... With with an upcoming off season and and some things to tinker with, I think this storm team is going to have to make some moves for the first time in a while, um, and, yes. and make some additions. So we'll we'll see what that's about. I uh, so just based on on expectations for this game, I, both teams coming into it, and I don't remember exactly what our picks were. That's how that's how how uh, poor of a host I am. I should probably have reviewed on who picked who. Um, I think I took Seattle. Uh, to win this game, uh, I know if I, I did remember correctly. You convinced me with your playoff gem argument. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's what it was. I said play. I said yeah. Playoff. Playoff. Jewel Lloyd was going to take care of things, which uh, actually didn't happen. Um, unfortunately, she didn't have a fantastic game. But um, yeah. So like, if if you really think about it, there were some people who seemed a little bit shocked at this result. And I don't think we should have, because if you look at how the Seattle Storm had been playing basically ever since the Commissioner's Cup, like post-Commissioner's Cup, Seattle has not looked like the same no, they team were, they're, that they're they did. They're about a 500 team since the Commissioner's Cup. Yeah, they haven't looked that good. And so you you take that into consideration and then also like counter that with the fact that Phoenix went on like a 10 straight winning streak. Um and then they did technically lose their last three games, but they lost them to the three best teams in the league. And a lot of those games by like, you know, just a, a possession or two. So Phoenix was by, you know, far and away had the better momentum and was looking like the better team coming into the playoffs and then took care of business against New York, who, you know, I think came out better than a lot of people expected them to. We should not be surprised by Phoenix advancing into the semifinals. I think that um, if you're surprised by that, you maybe uh, had some Seattle-colored glasses on because Phoenix was a very good team. Um, is a very good team, I should say. They, uh, Brittany Griner is having definitely her best season that I personally have covered in the five years that we've been, you know, really covering the league. Brittany Griner's looking as good as I've seen her and as dominant as we've seen her since almost college. You know, she, uh, anytime that Seattle would get rolling, it seemed like Phoenix just had to do just kind of a, you know, they'd drive and then they'd kind of dump over the top to Griner, who would just slow down that run a little bit and get a nice, easy bucket at the rim and take care of business. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun to, to see this this Phoenix Mercury team uh, move forward. And so I think that I think both of these teams are going to have an interesting off season, um, but Phoenix isn't thinking about that yet. They're excited to move on um, and officially, you know, uh, move ahead and, and continue on into these playoffs, which I think is, is really, really exciting. So, you know, Phoenix advancing to play Las Vegas, uh, we're going to see that Griner can a Griner Cambage, uh, matchup, which I think could be a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll talk, uh, later about the Chicago, uh, matchup, but, 
Um, yeah, overall, it's, it's, it was a great game. Just running through a couple stats for those of you who, uh, maybe haven't checked the box score. Um, let's talk Phoenix, Mercury, Logan. Uh, I don't know if you've got the box score pulled up yeah, right now. Um, talk to me about starters versus bench in yeah. Phoenix for this game. That's what's, that one well, was so stark, both like teams, such a, a contrast to me. Yeah. I mean, both teams benches combined for four made shots. Um, Oof. so, you know, basically it was just starters on starters for, for an entire game, including overtime. Um, as we're, as we're kind of discussing a little bit on the Twitch chat, which if you're, if you're not on Twitch with us, we record all of our episodes on Twitch and you can come and kind of join the conversation there. Um, next time, if you want to be kind of a part of the next episode, um, Sophie Cunningham, the hero of game one, one. of Phoenix's yeah. playoffs, she just played nine minutes, only took two shots all game. She missed both. Really a non-factor. Yeah. Um, it was really but, surprising uh, to me. Obviously, D getting healthy and her being in the game like that, that changed some things for Phoenix, but I'm surprised they still didn't try to work through her a little bit more. I think it's wise to not expect a repeat performance. Um, but it was still surprising that the bench was such a just kind of an obsolete <laughs> factor in this game. I hate saying it that way. I know those players are really important and they did provide some relief minutes for the starters, but um, there was definitely a, a drop off. Uh, and th- there were definitely lulls in this game when when those players were in and trying to do their thing. Stephanie Talbot is kind of the uh, the anomaly here. She went in and went three for six. She's really the only bench player on either team that had much of an impact on the score. Right. Um, yeah, that was that was really surprising to me. You know, obviously all five starters for the Mercury had double digit scoring, um, led by Brittany Griner. With, uh, who had 23 points, 16 boards, four assists, and two block shots. Have yourself a game, Jeez. Brittany Griner. Goodness. By the way, only one other player has ever had a stat line like that in the WNBA playoffs. The one and only Tamika Catchings, the all-around uh, player you know that, that could just do everything, the Swiss Army knife of players. Um, and Griner's out here pulling that in 2021. Love to see it. Uh, Skydig came out with 20, uh, points as well. Although Skydig also just about cost the game, <laughs> cost yeah. Phoenix the game. Um, that's the other thing that stands out to me is free throw percentage for the Mercury. 54%. They went 13 of 24 at the charity stripe today. Um, that right there made a huge difference. If you were looking for, oh, you know, Brianna Stewart wasn't playing. Jewel Lloyd had a really off game and shot really poorly. How did Seattle stay in this game? There's your answer. Yeah, missing. Phoenix couldn't make a free throws. Yeah, couldn't make a free throw. Logan, how that, that <laughs> How do really you do that in the playoffs? Um, just because yeah. I, I, I know this, this Phoenix team played a really tough, they, they fielded a really tough Liberty team, right? Like they, I think... It's fair to say they won that game. Um, not, not like obviously they won on the scoreboard, but like they didn't. I don't think they just survived the New York Liberty. I think Cunningham's game was so good, and the the momentum swing in the third quarter was so good that it's like, yeah, they took control, they imposed their will, and they won that game. They beat the Liberty. This one feels a little bit more like they survived. Yeah, um, because they, I mean, down the stretch in regulation, they did not close the door on this Storm team at all, and the Storm were not. I, I think. All but their last possession down the stretch in regulation and overtime, it was a lot of just Jewel Lloyd 
make something happen. And she wasn't able to. She kept trying to drive to the rim and get fouled, wasn't able to get the call. A lot of times they didn't get the offensive rebound. Um, the one time they did get the offensive rebound, the the uh, the quick putback didn't go in. They were trying to deal with Brittany Griner down there playing great defense. It was just messy on the Seattle offensive end. And yet they were hanging around. Um, and it's for the exact reason you said. I mean, Diggin Smith missed a pair when she could have capped the game. And then Tarazi missed. She split one and one later on. And somebody else missed a pair. And I don't remember who it was. Yeah, Tarasi missed one. Uh, Skyding missed a pair. Oh, uh, I'm blanking right now. There was, yeah, just a, across the board, not ugly. a great shooting performance. It, it was a great game, and it, it never stopped being a great, intense matchup. But there were some, I think the final minute of regulation and then a lot of overtime was kind of <laughs> muddy, actually. Like, it was it was not good offensive decisions. It was timeouts and reviews. It, it, not the worst that we've ever seen, but there it started to get a little sticky um, instead yeah. of instead of both teams hitting big shots and pushing the issue. It became all right. Someone needs to like snap up this. Somebody needs to just win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and nobody, <laughs> nobody looks keen on doing so. Um, it but. felt, it, it felt very odd towards the end of the game because yeah, it was like all game long, all four quarters was just, you know, shot after shot and match after match. And there were, I think 12, Oh, uh, 10 lead changes and 12 ties in this game. It was close for so much of this game. Um, I was just, I, w- I was pretty blown away by, by how much it, like, how much had built up. And by the end of the game, it really was just like, all right, which team can get out of here with making the least amount of mistakes? You know, who's yeah. going to not give away the game the most now, at did, the end? There, there were some things that I did like that I thought would be really compelling storylines if Seattle was able to pull this off and the door was really open um there they they had the ball with a tie game with like 30 seconds to go and decided to dribble off 17 seconds and then take a bad shot um which is really disappointing but Car- uh, Katie Lou Samuelson being the team's leading scorer in a playoff game didn't see that coming um yeah I I mean she was four of six from three. She scored 18 points. She's a 45% three point shooter and she didn't get as many touches as as I think she deserves. Um, They made the trade for her and they gave her some looks this game, but down the stretch, they didn't really find her when they needed quick points. And it's like, she's got the high hand, like make, I don't know. Why are we not feeding her? Cause that's, that's what Phoenix was able to do in the New York Liberty game to get this far. And I, I think they were just a little bit smarter about how they used those types of players. Um, it was nice to see her step up in this game, but obviously Sue Bird and Jewel Lloyd were going to take the bulk of, of the touches in, in this one. Sue actually had a good shooting night from beyond the arc because she's just always clutch in big situations, but um, Jewel really yeah. struggled. It was, I, I think she was the focal point of the, the defensive game plan for the Mercury. If you remember um, the last time the Mercury saw Jewel, it was the last game of the regular season, and she ate their lunch for 37 points. I was going to say, yeah, she went off. So they, they responded. And that's the tough thing about playing a team that's so familiar with you. I mean, these, these teams have been playing for years. I know Jewel Lloyd's only been on the team for, like, relatively recent history. But these are these are two squads that are really familiar with each other. And I know we lament not getting to watch them play a series in this round. It's just single elimination. But, I mean, they knew exactly where they were going to try to go with the ball. They knew Jewel Lloyd was going to be their offense and they needed to shut her down. They threw 
a lot of different things her way. Brittany Griner did a fantastic job just making it impossible to drive the paint and get anything off of the glass. So I, I want to credit Phoenix's defense more than anything. And Griner is kind of the captain of that. Um, and it's the reason that they're going to the next round. The, um, the play from Katie Lou was, was a major highlight for me. Um, 18 points, five boards, you know, and a steal. Like I thought Katie Lou played really well, shot well behind the arc when everybody else, you know, she and Sue were kind of the ones able to, to hit the three pointers tonight. Nobody else was really doing much with that. Um, the steal came late too. It was a really key steal and three pointer. Yeah. Um, right it was huge. That was, that was keeping a minute. So here's my question, Logan. A lot of people th- thought the Seattle storm were crazy. Looking back at their season as a whole, because it's officially over, looking back at their season as a whole, do you think they made the right decision in trading the number one draft pick for Katie Lou Samuelson? Yeah, um, it's 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 situation dependent, right? Like, what was Awa Queer going to do to help Seattle Storm repeat as champions this year? Right. Not a lot. I mean, th- maybe she would have played a little more than she did in Dallas, but probably not much. I mean, Dallas isn't the only team that just tends to bench rookies and not give them a lot of opportunities. So <laughs> I, I think Seattle made the trade in part because Katie Lou was a good player who offered them three point shooting, which is something that they wanted to add. Um, but also because she was someone that could help them right away. And, you know, having a number one overall pick is great, but in that particular draft, there wasn't anyone they could get that could help them win this year. And having just one in 2020, they know that their window is right now. You know, Sue Bird's probably going to retire soon. They're going to have to have a little bit of a shakeup. Um, you know, that's an end of an era there. And I, I think they made the right call. Like that's, and I would, I would say the same thing for any team. Like Chicago went out and got Candace Parker for the same reason, right? Like they would rather have a known commodity come in and perform in some capacity than invest in a year or two down the line in an unknown commodity out of college. So I I thought it was a good trade at the time. I still think it's a good trade. I think we haven't seen the best that Katie Lou has to offer yet in the WNBA, but she's coming into her own still. And I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, And this was, I I think this was a big moment for it. It ended in a loss. I don't think many people are going to talk about it. Um, But I, I think this was proof that there is something to be said for her talent at this level and, I don't know. I hope that she has a, a good career in Seattle or elsewhere and kind of builds on this because she looked good. No, I agree. I thought that uh, I thought she played uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal game. Had a really solid season overall. Um, let's talk about Sue Bird before we kind of put a bow on <laughs> on this. Um, I start out by saying, "What well, you know? What was your reaction to seeing them?" Um, I don't know about you, dude. Uh, and I mentioned this in our Twitch chat earlier. Um, Logan and I were watching this game, the end of this game together, sitting, you know, on my two couches upstairs. And, uh, as we're watching the end of this game, and then we have, you know, DT and, and Sue go over to meet with Holly Rowe. Um, when the chant came from the Seattle fans, one more year. Um, yeah, these fans are going to make me cry in about two seconds. I think we just, uh, 
it's a testament, you know, to, to all the years and the hard work. And we just try to have fun, compete, win. Unfortunately, not not for us today. But obviously, I wish her and them the best of luck. Um, try to put on a good show always. Hopefully, we did. And you saw Sue immediately get emotional. Um, I really, really choked back a lot of tears and didn't get all of them because there were several coming down my face as I watched this. Um, it was a powerful moment, you know, from uh, a couple of best friends who've played together for, you know, 20 years. Uh, it was, it was really, really powerful to see, um, to see this happen. So Logan, uh, let's, let's start a little bit of the speculation. I want to (laughs) hear your thoughts. Is Sue coming back for another year? Do we, have we seen the last of the, incredible journey that was Sue Bird's WNBA career. I truly believe that even Sue doesn't know the answer to that right now. Um, I (laughs) I agree. I also truly believe that it like that calling it quits is on the table. Um, She's done nothing to it because honestly, because it'd be really easy to, to tell people like quit it. Like I'm not going anywhere if it, if it wasn't a possibility. Right. And there's been no indication that, she's confident in coming back next year. So um, as I mentioned before, once that starts to creep in your mind, it can kind of open up, you know, doors to life after basketball and life after the Seattle storm. And that's been her life for 20 years. That's a long time to be at one job, man. Like, yeah. (laughs) um, Honestly, my impression is if she retires tomorrow, she retires as one of the three or four greatest players to ever take the court. Um, if she plays another year, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't change that. Um, I think Seattle can still be a contender next year. And if she wants to throw her hat in the ring to, to win another title, I think that's her prerogative and she could still be an effective point guard on a good team, especially with hopefully Bree Stewart, uh, back at, you know, fully operational, but she's got nothing left to prove if she wants to hang it up. Um, it was kind of emotional at the Olympics watching her know that that was her last time there. And mm. it's just, it has the feeling of a final chapter. It does. And I, I can't get her. I, you know, again, I, maybe she hasn't decided yet. I don't think she has, honestly, she probably has to talk it over and see how she's feeling into the, like the, the winter months. And if she wants to get her body ready for another season in the spring, but it just, there was a, a feeling of, and a sense of closure to that interview for me. I I feel like if this was the end, it's fine. And, and honestly might be the best possible way to go out is, you know, not necessarily in the finals in the playoffs though, on a good team and having, you know, one of your very best friends in the world be on the other side, uh, you know, and be, be one of the, be on that team that beat you. I think that's fine. You know, I, I think that she's, you know, she has nothing else to, to prove. She's done everything that, she, you know, could be asked of from an NBA, a WNBA player. Um, yeah, I, I, I will be interested to see, uh, what comes forward from this and, um, how Phoenix is going to handle or not Phoenix, excuse me. Seattle's going to, going to handle their off season. I think that Sue Bird is just one of many, um, moving pieces that's going to be coming up. I know Jewel Lloyd's looking at a contract year. Um, there's going to be a lot of movement. Seattle next year 
very likely is not going to... Now, there is a possibility Seattle looks the exact same next year. <laughs> very likely, we see a very different Seattle Storm team um, moving forward after 2021 yep. than the dynasty that we've seen over the last several I'll be, years. I'll be pumped to see Sue and Megan front row in 2024 at the first Seattle Sonics game in like 15 years. Um, like either like, I don't know, singing the national anthem or raising the flag or whatever they're going to do there. Like that'll, you know, she's, she's Seattle forever. Um, and that's, you know, if you listen to, uh, many of our past episodes where we've talked about goat status, we've talked about how long she's been in a storm uniform. Like, I don't know. I've lived the majority of my life with Superd being a Seattle storm star. Like it's going to be very different. Uh, it's it's going to honestly define a new era of the sport moving forward when she retires. No, I agree. Let's look ahead at this next matchup. However, the one that we're going to see on Tuesday, Phoenix, Las Vegas. Oh man, what I I I don't think I was expecting to see these two teams match up in the playoffs. For some reason, this matchup just never really came across my radar. Um, but I'm excited for it. I, I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of storylines at play here. Um, September 28th, Tuesday night, 10 PM Eastern time, uh, Las Vegas and Phoenix. It's going to be broadcast live on ESPN two. Make sure that you're checking it out there. Um, Logan, what, what do you see from, uh, this Phoenix team? Um, and also from this Las Vegas team that's been sitting for the last couple weeks, um, you know, kind of waiting to find out who they've got. Um, what do you see from these two teams, uh, as far as this matchup and, and this upcoming series? Uh, I'm excited to, to hear kind of your thoughts on that. And then maybe let's get a prediction on who's coming out, um, who's coming out of the series on top and in how many games. Man, this is going to be a good series. Um, first of all, we have some recent history we can we can look at that can be instructive. The last regular season game for Phoenix was an 84 to 83 loss against Las Vegas. Skyler Diggins Smith went for 17.7 assists. Um, that was one of their you know how many games did they win? Or they won like 10 games in a row, 11 games in a row. Um, they, for, for a lot of the back half of the season, it looked like, man, Phoenix is the last team I would want to play right now besides the sun. And then they lost to Connecticut, Seattle, Vegas, just right in a row, right before, uh, the playoffs started. And so we didn't really know what to think. You know, there was an obvious tier difference between those top three teams that we've kind of talked about as the top tier all year long. At least I've kind of mentally put those three teams there and Phoenix, but they just bumped off Seattle in overtime. And it was because of Griner. And I think Diggins Smith can have, uh, have, can be effective against Vegas as well. And the trio of a healthy DT and a hungry Diggins Smith, who's obviously, you know, famously maybe the biggest star in the, in the game right now that doesn't have a ring. Um, and then Griner, who's playing kind of low key MVP level basketball. That is a potent challenge for a really good Las Vegas team. Um, maybe it's just that I'm in like this echo chamber of like this podcast and all of our friends on Twitter. I feel like Vegas has been talked about considerably less this year compared to last year. I agree. Um, and I don't know if that's 
Correct. Uh, I, I know the Sun have obviously surprised some people and, and stolen a lot of headlines. Um, but with Seattle fading down the stretch um, and obviously now being out of the playoffs, not able to repeat, Vegas is sort of supposed to be the next team up, right? They were in the finals last year. They had a pretty dominant playoff run until they ran into just that like loaded Seattle team. They're a year older now, a little bit wiser, a little bit more mature. Um, they have a two to one advantage in the regular season over this Phoenix team. So as excited as we are about everything I just mentioned with the Mercury, I mean, Vegas is a tall order. They, they want to get back to the finals and finish the job just as bad as Connecticut does. Um, and I, I think they're kind of bound for that. If they just handle their business, they're a tough team. They finished the year 24 and eight. I mean, you, you don't lose more than 10 games in a year. That means you're, you're doing something right. So they get the first two games at home, which I think matters. Um, and if if Vegas can just take care of business in some of those home games, then it's going to be a little bit easier to deal with the, the X-Factor crazies in Phoenix once they get into October. Uh, as we know, the, the Phoenix home court might be the, the most impactful home court in the league. So uh, it's going to be important for Vegas to get off to a strong start in the series. But that's kind of my initial impressions. I don't know how deep in the weeds you want to go before... Um, before no, I think but I, I want to hear your your takes before I give my predictions. So yeah, I think that for some reason this Las Vegas team has been phenomenally impressive, and I think nobody's mentioned them because they're kind of right about where everybody expects them to be. But like like I see them a similar way that we used to talk about L.A. when L.A. was like always the four seed, but wouldn't like it ever go any like any deeper than they should, you know, in the playoffs, like, like nobody would just, nobody would talk about LA because they'd win, you know, two thirds of their games and just be a, be a pretty good team. And that was it. Cause that's what we expected of them. When Connecticut went on the tear, they became the storyline and it pulled a lot away from Las Vegas, who was also having a really, really good season. You know, when Seattle started to, to trend off Las Las Vegas' front half and back half of the seasons looked very similar. They've stayed very consistent. They've had a couple little, you know, hiccups here and there, but overall Las Vegas has had a consistent, solid season and not a lot of people talking about it, you know? So um I think Las Vegas is is really, really solid. However, that being said, Phoenix looks Phoenix looks like the real deal. You know, they, they really do. And especially if we can get, you know, DT a little more healthy. We've seen that Phoenix has the has the potential to not just rely heavily on their starters like they did tonight, but in the first round rely heavily on somebody who, you know, is maybe fits in that six, sixth woman, woman of the year, you know, type of role in like a Sophie Cunningham. Um, you know, I think that there's some really good good basketball that's going to come out. I don't think that either team is going to sweep here. I think this is actually going to be a really good series. Um, and I'm excited to, to see what happens with that. So Logan, let's go ahead and give our official predictions for this Las Vegas and, uh, this, this Las Vegas and Phoenix Mercury, uh, series, Logan, who you got winning and in how many games? Uh, I'm desperately trying to remember who, uh, and how many games I had, I had predicted in our initial episode. I'm pretty sure I took Vegas because I remember going chalk for my finals matchup. 
But I don't think you did. You have you? I think you had Phoenix advancing, didn't you? I I don't remember. <laughs> Either way, I think I, I, I think Steve did, series. and I think you and Steve had a really similar. Yeah, yeah, that sounds deal, right. So I think Steve and I were almost in lockstep. Um, so I I think I'm going to take Vegas in what I believe has to be a four or five game series. I'm going to say five. I'm going to say Vegas okay. wins the home games and takes it in five. And I think the key to the series. Um, Griner, I think, is going to have a, a really good series. But I think the key to the series is honestly going to be Kelsey Plum has come along maybe more than any other player in the league this year in terms of uh, maybe maybe Leisha Clarendon is up there in that category as well in terms of what I expected at the beginning of the year versus what she's giving her team now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's your X factor, right? You're going to get what you get from Cambage and Wilson and Hamby and hopefully you get, you know, Raquana Williams hitting some threes and stretching the defense out a little bit. But I think Kelsey Plum is critical to this series. And she's the type of player that if she's on, I believe this team can beat anybody. So in this scenario, in my mind, uh, Vegas is going to win the series. And that means that she's having a heck of a series. And Asia Wilson takes another step closer to her first ring, which we all feel like is inevitable. We just don't know when it's going to happen. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I do expect Vegas to kind of remind everyone why they were on the doorstep last year. I like that. I think that's a great call out. Um, I actually tend to agree with you here and I'm, I'm not, by the way, a lot of times on these predictions, we don't just go opposite just for the sake of, of going opposite. I, I see this series happening very similar to how you see it going on. Um, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I'm going to say, I'm also going to say Vegas in five with the added call out that I believe that both Phoenix and Las Vegas are going to get a a road victory in this series. I think that uh, Phoenix is going to steal a game in in Vegas and vice versa. Um, To me, I think that uh, I, I just think on paper, Las Vegas has so much that they can do. Um, what makes me the most nervous about this is that Brittany Griner's playing an MVP type of season. Like I know Asia has been in the MVP discussion, you know, all season long. Griner has been insanely impressive to me and it's really tough to have someone like Griner, uh, on the other side of, of the court. Um, and, but if there's a team that can handle Griner, it's probably Vegas because they, they're sitting with Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, and others ready to step in and and uh, and make something happen. Um, you know, I thought that it was either Vegas or probably Minnesota as far as like bigs that could could handle yeah. Griner well. So uh, Minnesota's no longer around. It's got a <laughs> job moves to Vegas, so um, it's going to be Vegas to to be able to handle Griner right now. So I, I see Vegas in five as well. Uh, all right, Logan, that's pretty much all we've got for this, uh, for this episode. It looks like, uh, you know, we're closing in on, on, on a good time spot here to, to stop. We are going to, uh, also be releasing another episode. Uh, I don't know if it'll be the same day. Um, but within a few hours or 24 hours of this one, where we will be also discussing the, uh, the other result from tonight, uh, the Minnesota Lynx and the Chicago Sky and what 
that entails as well as the upcoming matchup against the uh, Connecticut Sun. So um, stay tuned. Make sure that you're checking that out as well. Um, find us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. You can check us out on Twitch, of course. That's where we love hanging out with y'all and uh, having a good discourse there in in the Twitch chat. Um, that's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all we've got for you tonight. For WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.